I'm Shivani Gupta. I'm obsessed with small to medium businesses growing. As business owners, we take so much risk and we want to make sure it's worth it. I believe one of the best presents you can give yourself as a business owner is to be able to learn how to scale your people, your profit and your processes. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Grow Your Business podcast. I am pretty excited to have a gentleman here that I met um, last year through a speaking uh, collaboration, but I have seen him for very many years on TV and seen him achieve some extraordinary things. And today my guest is John Buchanan. He is regarded as one of the most successful international sports coaches in history not in Australia, not in one particular part, but across history. And from his background, one of the things he does, he translates the deep insights of peak performance on the sports field and also works with people in business to help them into creating the right behaviours and actions that will then translate what he's learned in the sports into leadership and for people as well. He's won a number of awards. Um, He's been a performance coach for over 30 years, helping teams and businesses and organisations, finding that a winning model. I could probably keep going with this CV for another four or five minutes, but let's dive right into speaking to John. Welcome, John. Thanks, Ivani. That's a lovely intro. Very good. Oh, thank you. Well, you've achieved so many things. And so over that 30 years of coaching, but also all the other things that you've done, John, there must have been some pretty big highs and some pretty awful lows. Um, and often those points of adversity form and create and transform us into who we are. So tell us about you know, a, a, a couple of them that, that come to mind in terms of what were those high highs and those low lows that have um, created who I'm speaking to today, John Buchanan? Well, um, look, I think they, like all of us, uh, I think the highs and the lows um, come at all different points of our lives, don't they? And um, certainly from my point of view, um, just growing up on the Gold Coast when it was a, a sleepy little town was a fantastic environment and uh, school I went to and the people I met and friends I made for life and then heading off to university uh, were all, you know, they they had their moments. I was probably testing the boundaries at different stages and and the boundaries were testing me too. So, um, but, you know, through all that, that sort of played itself out in terms of when I took on the, uh, the Queensland coaching role because... You know, that was my first professional head coach role. Well, you know, up until that point, I'd coached my, uh, my own children at, at sport and had coached at club level. But suddenly here was an opportunity to coach, uh, you know, a professional cricket team who would, who had been coached by one of the legends of Australian cricket, Jeff Thompson, and, you know, lots of coaches in those days and probably still these days have been from a background of having played quite a deal of cricket, whereas my background, even though I had played at first-class level, wasn't anywhere near the pedigree of those gentlemen, you know. So it, it it brought me to a point where I had to actually understand how I coached, you know, what I did, why I said what I said or did what I did, and so all your cornerstones and principles. So in terms of highs and lows, I suppose that was a, that was a real high for me to be then selected as... Uh, Queensland coach and of course Queensland had never won the Sheffield Shield and in that first year we managed to win the Sheffield Shield so after 69 years um, it happened to coincide with my first year of of coaching Queensland and 
that's a special time. It's a special time for anybody that goes through something for the first time, you know, that you, you kind of imagine what it must have been like to break the sound barrier or break the world speed record or whatever it might have been. Whatever you do first time is always pretty special. And, um, and I guess uh, to get to that point, I didn't want to necessarily uh, hide it behind sport, but, you know, we had five children and, and um, you know, there, there was some some real highs and they continue to be real highs with five children growing up and now some grandchildren. So so my wife uh, managed to look after the family and allowed me to go and, and do the sort of things that, that I really enjoyed doing, which was, which was coaching. And so, you know, we had a, a terrific time. Five years of Queensland, I went over to England uh, for a year in in, um, in that period and then took on the, the Australian job and uh, spent another eight years as, as head coach with the Australian cricket team and, again, just some amazing highs. But, again, one of the one of the real highs, I suppose, is because I mentioned going back to childhood, uh, I was going to wear the baggy green. You know, that's what I was going to do. I was going to play cricket for Australia. I never got to do that and never was good enough to do that, but... Here was me standing on our home ground, Brisbane, in front of a home crowd, and second best thing, I suppose, rather than being one of the 12 players that were standing out there to the national anthem, here was the coach standing next to them. So that was a that was a special moment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, on, on goes, we had, we had incredible success uh, on the cricket field as, as a group over that period of time. And... Um, you know, you do remember all the, the the really good times, and there were some, you know, some significant uh, losses in there that um, helped shape, I think, how the group and myself all went about what was coming up. And then, and then, I guess one of those one of those lows was uh, losing to England in two thousand five, losing an Ashes series in England two thousand five, and I suppose. Most people understand in Australian sport, you get away with most things. You know, the Australian public's fairly tolerant, fairly forgiving, but they don't forgive you if you lose to the Poms. And so, uh, you know, after six years with the Australian side, uh, it was time to move the coach on, you know, and I had to go and talk to the board and uh, try to convince them why I should still be retained. So, you know, that took me into, um, yeah, a few important questions that I need to ask myself and also need to address uh, the number of players and to see whether or not they still want me around. And um, I was then able to go to the board and present a 20-month picture about what it was going to be and that I would exit at that point in time if they gave me that opportunity. And, and so that was that was the plan. It all played out. It was a bit of a fairy tale. We, the last game was the World Cup in, uh, in the West Indies in Barbados, which we won. And so that was the last game that I coached. And in that last 20 months, I guess I was then recognising what's next, you know, and, and it was always in about, well, I've learned a lot. I learned a lot before I started head coaching and then I learned a lot through head coaching. So combine all that and take it outside the sports arena and, and try to place it into the corporate arena um, with certainly a lens of sport because I think sport's an incredible um, means or mechanism in which to look at everything to do with business and life. And so that's what I did back in 2007 and still continue to do. Amazing. I had goosebumps there as you were speaking about 
couple of those moments, having watched some of that um, on TV, uh, John, that's um, that's a pretty amazing and you're very humble about it. I know that's pretty hard to encapsulate uh, 30 years of career there in a few minutes, but, yeah, that that's amazing. And so when, John, challenges come your way, um, and obviously they come across all, all of us, whether you're coaching, whether you're now running your own business, uh, whether it's in family, do you have a methodology or a process or do you have like a way that you go about dealing with it? Different people do different things. I'm really curious to know what it is that you do. Well, I do, um, but I suppose I only really sort of pulled that together after I left the, the cricket team and uh, it was really a case of trying to understand what sort of, if you like, formula or process, structure, whatever we want to call it, that I had to actually deal with, as you say, people in, inside the organisation, winning or losing, media, shareholders, stakeholders, administration, travel, training, a myriad of things go on. And uh, I, I guess that enabled me, after I was able to sit down and, and uh, have a bit more of a think and a bit more of a look back, that I created this Everest model. And um, Everest, Everest was a phrase that I coined with the Australian cricket team when I first met them. So I just sort of said, you know, apart from a range of things, um, we're going to go on this journey to Everest together. And, you know, Everest obviously is the top of the world and, um, you know, it's, it's all about teamwork, it's all about planning, it's all about preparation, it's all about uh, mitigating risk if, if you can. Uh, it's all about getting the right people in the team and it's all about yeah, how you harness all the collective abilities to try to achieve that that goal. So so that was the picture and, and the reality of that was about changing the game, you know, and, and that stemmed from, I guess, my passion and love for cricket, which took me back, you know, into childhood days and and and, and even, you know, uh, up to the up to the then present. And it was about one of the great teams, you know, the great teams of Australian cricket, which was which was the Invincibles, and that was led by Bradman. And uh, the point there being that they did something special uh, in 1948 after the war and travelled through England and were undefeated. And so they were given the title the Invincibles. So to me, that was the picture for this this team, and and that was all part of Everest. That by the way that we played the game, by the way that we changed how the game was being played then by the time that we sort of disbanded as a, you know, as a, a group, then hopefully we'd also uh, achieve a label, uh, hopefully a flattering label as well, uh, about what we did uh, for the game, not not only just in cricket and Australian cricket, but but for the game in general. So, um, so that was very much uh, a part of, me but also very much a part of what I do now and that that is you know your Everest and and so to find your way through all the challenges and the issues and everything that's going on I look at either the individual or I look at the leader or I look at the team and and obviously they're not separate channels they're so interconnected but I think there's a, a process in there that if we can understand well maybe this issue is more around the person right at the moment now let's deal on that level or maybe it's around how we set up our leadership could be the the former leader could be 
senior people in the organisation or, or indeed a culture that you're trying to establish. Or And then again, it might all be about the whole organisation and and, and um, trying to treat that in, a, in some sort of um, consensual way or some sort of integrated way. So, so I think that, you know, that... That's what I evolved, and then and then to do that, obviously Everest is the summit. But like any climb, you've got to start at base camp. You've got to understand what base camp looks like, and you've got to have it all prepared because that's the foundation. And then, you know, that sort of inspires the strategy or the game plan. You know, your winning model, and then hopefully that you know then mobilises um, what I term your set plays. So that that again is another sporting term, but it, the set plays are really as you. Uh, began at the beginning it's about your actions and your behaviors it's about what people see it's about the evidence that you show on a daily basis or an individual shows on a daily basis or the team demonstrates you know quite regularly and and with that you know if, if the set players are in place then you know you, you move towards the summit and of course it's all about then well are we on track what's the review look like how do we set up a review what's the reflective process for people so so that's kind of um, how I see it helping businesses, individuals or leaders deal with everything that's thrown at them um, every day, you know. And, and I think the thing, as you know, in, in business, you, you're in competition every day. The world doesn't stop for you because you said, oh, look, I'm, I've got a weekend here, so just put everything on hold. Um, and then when I come back on Monday, we'll pick up. No, because the world just keeps moving. Time keeps moving. Um, sport has that luxury of, you know, that preparation, you know, where you play a game. And, you know, even like the Australian cricket team uh, that we've seen in India at the moment, they've just lost a couple of test matches. Um, at, at the time that we're recording this, they now go into about an eight-day break before they play the next test match. And so from my point of view, I think that's an absolute uh, goldmine of a time for them to, yes, review and reflect on what what has happened, but it's more now about a reset. It's about a new campaign. You know, they now need to look at the two tests ahead of them and set up, you know, a, a new way of going about what it is that they want to do because there's a different goal for a start. There's, there's no longer a win on offer, but there is a drawn series on offer, you know. So so to me, that's uh, that review and reflective process is, is obviously ongoing, um, but uh, it's, it's just so critical uh, that it feeds back into that that whole sort of loop of, of your strategy, your winning plan, your set plays and see how, how you're tracking. Yeah, I don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate that um, recently had a split household last night, John, with the with India winning, and uh, it's about the only sport that causes a bit of uh, bit of tug of war in our household. And so it's probably not a great day to be recording this podcast and talking to you about it because you'll be disappointed. Whereas I was doing a little bit of a victory lap around the house last night. Um, and so what about your future aspirations, John, around business life? Tell us about whether that's one year out, five, ten years out. Tell us a bit about your future aspirations. Well, look, I, I still have, you know, probably long-term goals uh, around coaching and um, what I'd like to to achieve. Um, and indeed, you know, that's that's not only in business right at the moment. I'm actually uh, actively career coaching again with a, a boys' school team here in uh, Brisbane, in Queensland, um, in the um, 
GPS competition. And I'm really, you know, really quite enjoying that because it's just dealing with a group of young boys or young young men um, who are obviously exploring their creed abilities, but at the same stage they're exploring themselves in a sense how they deal with everything that goes into uh, getting themselves ready to compete, then competing, and then either successfully or not successfully doing that. So how does that work in amongst, you know, a very, very busy school life? So that that I, I'm really enjoying. And, um, yeah, it just puts, I suppose, all the, all the thinking and um, everything that I view as important in, in coaching and, and helping people uh, into active play. And albeit it's, it's a group of boys or at least an age group that I have never really closely worked with. So, you know, that's a really enjoyable experience at the moment. Yeah, that's wonderful. And the fact that you're, you know, going back, I'm not sure these young kids realise probably that uh, some of the background that you have, probably their parents do. But uh, I remember telling my son that I was having you on the podcast and being a cricketer, he was super excited um, because his dad's <laughs> probably pumped a few videos into him. Um, John, um, leadership philosophies, obviously you talk to a lot of leaders, you coach a lot of people, um, but are there certain philosophies that, that are really important to you um, that you apply either in your business and personal lives or maybe that you teach? Um, tell us about a couple of philosophies that are really important to you. Sure. Look, as I mentioned, when I took on that Queensland job, I had to work out who I was, you know, really the, my whole philosophy to coaching, leadership, being involved as a head coach with the cricket team. Um, and so I suppose some of the principal, principal components are firstly that, that vision. I just really believe no matter who I work with, whether it be one-on-one -on -one executive coaching, whether it be a large organisation or indeed, as I just mentioned, this BBC cricket team, to me, there's always a picture. There's always something that we need to aspire to or, um, or be inspired by. And so, you know, that's kind of out there in the ether sometimes. And this is where we are now. So what's the overarching strategy to get there? So to me, that's always pretty well a starting point. Then sitting kind of well behind that, but nonetheless sort of right near that is about making the coach redundant. Um, so for me, it's all about trying to empower, you know, the, the boys in this case or a leader or a group of people to uh, take more and more responsibility and accountability and control of their destiny. And, and so therefore the coach or the leader becomes less and less required on a, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, uh, micromanaging basis. It's just the same as parenting, as we know, you know. So if we're able to make sure that our children have the right values and, and uh, given the right um, backgrounds and education and guidance and so on, then we, we are constantly standing further away from them and allowing them to get out there and, and explore and obviously they, they make errors and they make mistakes and things don't quite go their way. So as parents, we're always there to try to pick up the pieces if that's required. Uh, but at the same stage, our children are learning and growing all the time. And that's just the same in any sporting team or any business or any organisation. And so that kind of leads into what I term the whole person because it was wonderful to deal with these 
uh, you know, amazing cricket athletes. But it always seemed to me that if I wasn't trying to get them to expand their horizons, to try to get them outside of the dressing room and try to be a little bit more conversant with the rest of the world, then I wasn't doing my job. Now, obviously, a number of them were, but a lot weren't. So I would always try to, yeah, as I say, take them outside the dressing room, make them uncomfortable um, in areas that they weren't used to um, so that they had a, a range of other other sort of skills and knowledge bases maybe that would help them through cricket but beyond cricket. And part of that, part of that then is when I talk about business sense or cricket sense, it's about them being their own coach as well, their own best coach. Because again, if I'm going to stand back and become redundant, then I'd like to know that the individual not only will take responsibility and accountability, but equally they're very understanding of when they perform well, what do they do? What's in their control? And then I kind of break that down into technical, physical, mental and tactical skills. So that's the individual, you know, and, and if they can begin to get a handle on that, obviously that gives them the opportunity to replicate that and hopefully that gives them the opportunity to perform well again. There's no guarantees, of course. And then if the other part to that is if they understand that, then they have a benchmark from which they can move forward. Um, part of my philosophy always never being satisfied, um, always just believe a bit like the, the same behind me, you know. So if better is possible, then, you know, good is not good enough or it's Jim Collins good to great. So that they, no matter what we do, no matter how well we do it or how poorly it goes, there is always so much room for improvement. As I say, it's the biggest room in the house, room for improvement. So um, that's always been my approach. Uh, I remember a boss at um, Creed Australia when I was there and said, you know, you must be a very unhappy person. And I was saying, no, it's not that I'm, uh, if I'm never satisfied, I'm unhappy. I'm very happy with where things are going. But all I'm there to do is to challenge individuals and the team to be better and myself at the same stage and all that support stuff, you know, so things can be done a heck of a lot better. Um, and then, you know, you throw in planning around that, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the string that, that hopefully binds the, uh, the gift together. But of course, with planning, as we know, I, I'm pretty well yet to see a plan fall into place 100%, you know, so, so then it goes back to, well, given that, you know, how do we respond? And the response comes out of, well, the review I mentioned before, but the review and the reflection is then all wrapped up in what I term the learning environment. So the learning environment is is there. We need to ensure that we are learning from whatever we do well or whatever we don't do as well as we would like and how do we actually, you know, take that into the future. So, you know, there, there's some of the, uh, I guess, principles that I formulated when I walked into the room for that interview uh, for Queensland Cricket, and you know, I haven't I haven't changed them since. I, I will always reflect on those and always think about when I'm whatever I'm doing, even our conversation now. Am I living, you know, that philosophy? Am I delivering on that? Which, as I said, goes back to your set plays and on it goes. Fantastic, thank you, John. Um, you give out a fair bit. Obviously, you talked about, you know, five kids, grandkids, 
Um, I know that when we caught up, um, you know, you have a busy life and then you're traveling and speaking and coaching. What are some of the things that you're doing for your own wellness? Now that I know we're speaking a lot about mental health right now, but also physical wellness, emotional wellness. Tell us about whether you've got some rituals, whether they're daily, weekly, yearly. Um, what are some of the things that you do to manage your own wellness? Love my afternoon nap if I can get it in. <laughs> Doesn't always happen. Um, but look, yeah, look, I've always tried to maintain uh, my physical health. And uh, even though that, you know, I'm, I'm not near as physical as I used to be, you know, I do try to make sure that I'm actively doing something at least once a day. Hopefully, I, you know, if I miss a day, then I, I'm certainly back on uh, for the next day. So physically, I, I try to look after that. Um, and I guess food-wise, my diet is is hopefully balanced. It's not anything in particular. It's just trying to make sure I get a bit of everything. And I certainly enjoy certain foods, and I, I'll you know continue to do so. Regular health checks. Um, you know, um, my daughter's a dermatologist, and uh, she um, she is always um, whenever we catch up, just having a quick scan. But I, I regularly have a, a dermatologist checkup every six months, a regular health check every 12 months. Um, and uh, beyond that, you know, uh, I love walking with my wife and uh, getting into the garden, which is good. And, and again, talking about uh, the cricket boys, I, I just really find that is, um, you know, so good. It, it just... It's it, to some degree it's therapeutic. If I want to do a couple of other things, I'd love to be going fishing regularly, and I'd I'd love to be just down in the surf. But you know, some of those things are not going to happen. Um, and I, I suppose try to squeeze in a little bit of sort of self meditation of a of a morning. Um, so I always try to get up at five, and um, from there just kind of get the day moving. Again, a bit of a ritual is a bit of lemon juice and uh, or warm lemon juice and uh, celery juice to start the day. Um, but once I've got that prepared, then maybe spend 10 minutes or so, yeah, just in, taking in the morning, taking the sights and the well, not the sights, but the sounds of the morning and a bit of breathing and all those sort of things. So, yeah, I guess they're all little pieces that you, you try to, piece together through the day and um and I think when I think when you do feel when you are feeling tense and, and feeling overwhelmed um you know there's there's nothing better than having somebody that you know you can turn to and 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 have that sort of conversation so you know my wife is definitely uh, you know we've been uh, married now for 43 years so you know we've been through a lot together and so it's good to have that sort of relationship to be able to talk some of those things out but men are men and uh i'm no probably different to others and, and hide my feelings you know too many times and um you know don't express myself properly a number of other times so that's one of my constant challenges should i that's a lot. That's amazing, actually, from the morning ritual of 
you know, a bit of meditation and exercise and food and family. Like there's actually, as you said, it's pretty balanced in terms of all the different things that you have some great tips in there for the listeners um, in terms of one or two things to apply. Um, and John, if people want to follow you, follow your work, or they go, actually, I need some of this work. I really like the sound of that. What's Where's the best places or platforms to find you? Well, probably just head to the website, I think. So buchanancoaching.com, that's the easiest place. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Not a not a, a big uh, subscriber to Facebook or Instagram, but uh, probably people will find me on LinkedIn, or they will find me on LinkedIn. And uh, as I say, the website, buchanancoaching.com is best place. That's um, fantastic, John. Um, we'll put that in the link as well when we post the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. I might hang on and have a chat to you for a minute, but thank you for being on today. Thanks, Giovanni. It's been a real pleasure. I'm Shivani Gupta and you've been listening to the Grow Your Business podcast. I hope you got one idea that you can think about or perhaps even implement straight away in your business. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn under Ask Shivani. Remember I call it Ask Shivani, so please send me your questions that I can address in this podcast for you. And I would also so appreciate if you went to the Apple podcast to rate and review this podcast.